This is Shai Dotan, Associate Professor of International and Public Law at the University of Copenhagen Faculty of Law at iCourts, the Center of Excellence for International Courts. In this series of podcasts will describe my book, International Judicial Review, When Should International Courts Intervene, published by Cambridge University Press in 2020. Chapter 3, The Argument for Systemic Epistemic Superiority. Imagine that it is legitimate for an international court to intervene. The conditions set in Chapter 2 have been fulfilled. The next question that should be interested uh, for anybody uh, examining the intervention of a court is will the court reach a better decision than a national body? Will the international court reach a better decision than a national court? Chapter 3 deals with the question when can an international court have an epistemic superiority, an ability to make a better decision than a national body? The inspiration from this chapter comes from a paper by Cass Sunstein and Eric Posner uh, that deals with the question when should comparative law be used. The argument they develop in the paper is that comparative law is useful for national courts because it allows uh, any national court to learn from the experience of other courts in a way that suits the mathematical um, benefits of the Condorcet theory. Condorcet theorem is a theory that suggests that if many independent decision makers make a decision, the majority's decision within the group is likely to be better than any decision of every decision maker if every decision maker is better than a coin toss. This theory has been proven numerous times. It works like magic. If you want to, for example, guess uh, what is the weight of a bull, you ask a thousand independent people, you take an average or you find a, a median result and it's almost accurate to the gram. The reason for that is grounded mathematically. The, the differences between the people's mistakes uh, wash out and the average result is the best one. The majority result is usually the best one. There is a problem, though, in the argument by Carl Sunstein and Eric Posner. And this is that they argue that states should study from other states. Every state should study from comparative law. If states study from other states, the decision is no longer independent. The entire idea of a concept theorem is that information is improved by this wisdom of the crowds when a decision is independent. Now, to the credit, Eric Posner and Carl Sunstein admit this problem openly. They suggest that if states decide to use comparative law, they ruin it for other states in a way. They make the decision uh, that they are making not a good guide for other states. So you cannot have a situation in which all states will be using comparative law, getting the benefit of the Condorcet theorem, and at the same time preserving an independent decision that is necessary for the Condorcet theorem to work. Other states will not use the Condorcet theorem and not get the benefit of comparative law, or they will use com- uh, uh, comparative law and will not get the benefit of the Condorcet theorem. Chapter 3 suggests that international courts may be able to solve this problem. This means that they have an epistemic superiority that has absolutely nothing to do with the quality of the judges. Judges in international courts are, if anything, 
usually worse for national judges. It has to do with their institutional position. Let me explain. Imagine that every state makes a decision independently. A very international court looks at the majority of the states, makes a decision that is then binding on all the states at the same time, and imposes it on the states. If you could imagine a situation like this, you would solve the problem with application of Condorcet theory to comparative law. Because the states are deciding independently, their decision enjoys all the uh, epistemic value that is necessary for the wisdom of the crowds to work. Because states get the final outcome imposed on them by the international court, they gain all the benefit of the use of comparative law. The example that Chapter 3 focuses on is the use of imaging consensus in the European Court of Human Rights. Imaging consensus, the way it is applied there, is the closest equivalent to the theory I just described. The judges describe the Corsair theorem as working the following way. In every major case, judges get a list of the law in all the relevant member states, or in almost all of them. They try to follow the majority. If they don't, they have to justify themselves uh, somehow. The majority within a group of independently deciding states is the perfect guide for the judge under emerging consensus. And therefore, emerging consensus reflects all the benefits of the Condorcet theory. And because the states could be deciding independently, then these benefits actually affect the decision of the court and make it better than a national court could make. There is some empirical support for this proposition. Uh, uh, in the field of LGBT rights, uh, there is a paper that shows that international, uh, the European Court of Human Rights actually follows what the majority of states do. And just as importantly, states don't tend to follow each other. So they wait for the European Court of Human Rights to make a decision, and then they change the policy based on that decision. Therefore, getting all the benefit of the Condorcet jury tiering. Now, the chapter deals with a lot of uh, possible problems with this argument, because states have perverse incentives that make them behave in ways that uh, do not suit the theory. They are not deciding independently, and how can the court face that? Or if states are different than each other, it's another factor. If states are different, they should have different policies. It's another factor that could limit the use of emerging consensus. It's also possible that judges are not applying the theory properly, um, and in some situations, there is an inherent problem with the issue. So, for example, if uh, there is a choice between several options that have several factors that affect this choice, then finding a majority can be impossible. This is something that is known already from Condorcet's time. It's known as a Condorcet paradox. Uh, you don't have a majority decision in these cases. Also, it's possible that the law is changing all the time because circumstances are changing. So it's difficult to find a majority of states because not all states made the decision based on current law. The purpose of the chapter is to address all these problems uh, one by one, give examples to how they can be handled, and recommend how a theory like emerging consensus can be used in a way that gives the court epistemic superiority and justifies its intervention because it can lead to better results.